Welcome to Manufacturing Success, a podcast presented by the Fisher and Phillips Manufacturing Industry Practice Group. Our group is a national team of labor and employment attorneys who focus on helping manufacturing employers effectively handle today's legal issues and prepare for the future. My name is Mike Carruth. I'm a partner in the Columbia, South Carolina office of Fisher and Phillips. I'm a member of the Manufacturing Industry Practice Group, and I've practiced in the area of labor and employment law for over 30 years. Most of this work has involved representing manufacturing. Uh, let's get started with this episode of Manufacturing Success. Today, our manufacturing success topic focuses on the use of people analytics by manufacturing employers. To cover this topic, I'm joined by Dave Walton, a partner in the Philadelphia office of Fisher and Phillips. Dave's practice concentrates on more complex employment litigation. Uh, Dave's a guest on manufacturing success because he also has extensive work on using evolving technologies and helping him with his complex litigation and on helping clients, including manufacturing clients. So with that, let me welcome Dave to the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mike, for having me. It's a uh, uh, pleasure to be here. Dave, let's first, let's start off by uh, having you explain a little bit what is people analytics or are people analytics and, and what are you going to be talking about? Yeah, sure. People analytics is essentially the application of all the analytics and AI, especially predictive analytics, all those concepts that have been developed in marketing over the past decade or so and applying those principles now to uh, HR. And a lot of your consulting firms have, you know, for marketing purposes, probably used the term people analytics because because it has a nice ring to it. And a lot of them are selling these consulting per, uh, these consulting programs based upon people analytics. But what essentially people analytics is is the application of big data analytics, some AI, to uh, human resources functions. How do manufacturing employers, based on your experience, use people analytics to help them in their human resource employee relations areas? Well, it's, it's uh, estimated about 80% of HR departments across all types of industries, including manufacturers, are using some form of people analytics or multiple forms of people analytics. I mean, a lot of, of companies are using them um, be uh, behind the scenes. A lot of employees don't know that they're even subject to people an analytics, but it's basically every function of the HR department that you can think about from recruiting, hiring, performance management, ensuring fair compensation, retaining employees, training employees, controlling healthcare costs, anything that you can think of that, that has to do with HR. Uh, people analytics is involved in it. It's kind of like if you're a sports fan at all and you've seen over the past few years about how baseball and other sports, but it started off with baseball, has become more dependent on statistical analysis. Um, you hear things about launch angles and exit velocities and stuff like that. But that's all the datification of things you can measure in baseball to enhance the decision-making process regarding a, a particular athlete. It's the same concept in HR. We're using data and objective measures to help measure employee performance, to help predict which employees are gonna be good at what jobs, 
and to help ensure fair compensation uh, and to even uh, predict which employees might be looking for a, a, a new job. And these things are so effective that they're not going away. Well, you touched on something that I know a lot of the manufacturing clients that I deal with are having to address now, which is turnover. Uh, issues with getting enough people to do the work. Uh, can you share a little bit more information on how uh, employers, and to the extent it is uh, specific about manufacturing employers, are using to address issues with employee turnover or even uh, hiring the right employees? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, what they're doing in terms of turnover is, is they're gathering information, all the different data points that they have about employees who have left. in in the past and they gather all that all those different data points in one place and that could be everything from emails calendars voicemail messages performance evaluations other types of hr records information about company changes managerial changes compensation structures job descriptions etc all the data that you can think of and they're throwing it kind of in one bucket and they're looking for patterns in the data to say, okay, what occurred before these employees left and are there patterns of conduct here across these uh, different employees? And then therefore, if they see that pattern in the future and they see those uh, pattern points or really there are correlations in the future that might trigger, hey, Mike's thinking about leaving. You know, these uh, five points are triggered, Mike's potentially thinking of leaving. Uh, so we should watch out, or uh, Mike's a flight risk. So that's, in general terms, how people analytics is being used on retention. On hiring, one of the things that we're seeing now, especially in a Zoom world or a pandemic world, is more video interviews. So what we're seeing is a huge growth of technology that analyzes facial expressions during video interviews. And from there, they uh, can extrapolate based upon these facial expressions and the way you talk, your tone of voice, the way you use your hands when you talk. They can extrapolate like basically like a personality test on steroids. And a lot of employers are using that type of uh, applications to help them pick the best employees for particular jobs. Yeah, like for me, I've got a face made for radio. So yeah, I do too. Pick up on that type of process. <laughs> well, I I do too. I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, that's something that we have in common. But you know, like for example, I have a I grew up with a childhood stutter. I still stutter a little bit. My dad stutters, and my little brother stutters. Uh, so if I stutter during an interview, uh, a data analytics program might read that as though he's nervous. Uh, but that may not be the case. You know, stuttering doesn't have to be, doesn't have to do with being nervous. And so, um, so those are the types of things that employers have to watch out for. Okay. Well, uh, where does most of the raw, you've given some very good examples, Dave, but where does most of the raw data that goes into allowing the people analytics come from? You know what? It just comes from the HR departments. I mean, what we've seen over the past uh, 15 years or so is that it, it used to be like a, the companies wouldn't keep data. In, in fact, we were encouraging companies to get rid of all their extra data because it was subject to discovery. Um, 
and some companies got rid of it. But then with the, with the growth of Google, with the growth of Facebook, and the growth of social media analytics, um, the companies have seen the value of data, and data is gold. So just think of all the different types of, of, uh, of data an HR department will have access to for an employee. You can do a sentiment analysis on just the way that you and I do emails and we construct emails. There's a, there's a value in that data. There's our calendar data. There's our performance evaluations, our compensation data, our job descriptions, our other types of things that we draft, whether it be uh, memos, you have uh, healthcare data, especially for self-insured employers. You have, you know, every you know, type of, if, if you really drill down, uh, there's a lot of data that companies have about their employees. And what they're doing is they're giving that data and they're not analyzing it themselves. They are giving it to these mathematical PhDs. There are gods in statistics and gods in data analytics. And they're saying, hey, find patterns here. See if you can find any patterns in, these, uh, in, in this data. And these researchers are then, you know, then find patterns that you know, can potentially be used to predict when an employee is leaving or whether a certain type of uh, employee is good for a certain career path or career track. Um, and because human beings operate with the same types of uh, habits and we're much more alike than we are different, these types of applications are scarily effective. Well, that you brings up something while I'm listening to you uh, describe all that, Dave. Uh, are there legal requirements or issues with notifying employees that yeah. their normal you know, input of data, creation of data could be used for people analytics? Do you need to tell employees that, that all the stuff that they're doing part of their job could be considered in some type of people analytic process? In the U.S., generally no, because uh, because the U.S. operates from the paradigm that if you're creating data on an employer system, if you're creating data, you know, uh, while you're working or being paid by an employer, the employer owns that data. Okay, that's not the case in Europe. With the GDPR has some different requirements, and we're starting to see some of those European-based rules being adopted here in the U.S., especially California. There are some acts now, and I know this isn't exactly what your question was, but for example, there is the uh, Illinois Video Interview Act, okay? And of course, uh, Illinois was one of the first states, or it was the first state to, to pass a Biometric Privacy Act, a BIPA. Uh, so uh, Illinois has just passed the Video Interview Act. And what that requires is that if employers are going to use the analytics applications to study facial movements and interviews and things of that nature, you have to give the employees or, or the employees or the candidates notice. And there's a bunch of other obligations in the statute too. So we are starting to see some legislative reaction to this. Uh, EEOC has said that they're gonna issue guidance at some point on the use of uh, analytics in HR functions, including of video interviews. But I think what you're gonna see a lot, Mike, over the, over the next few years is the states taking the lead 
in passing the legislation, just like uh, Illinois has. And that same act in Illinois is now being considered in Washington state as, as well. Are there situations where employers actually just go out to the employees and say, we would like for you to answer a survey or provide information that they will directly then use in a people analytics? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Um, for example, there's a major search engine company that we all know that gave a um, survey to its employees and they asked a lot of strange questions like, uh, do you prefer cats over dogs? How many pets do you have? What's your hometown? What kind of ice cream do you like? Really, you know, but a whole litany of questions like that. And then they took the answers to those surveys and they combined it with the social media data that this company had about its employees and, and some which they bought from data brokers, which is a publicly available information that a data brokers have. And they combined all that, gave the researchers analyze, and they were able to predict based upon the results of the survey combined with the other data, which employees would be the best suited for particular jobs within that organization. And so surveys are a key part of data analytics. Um, a few years ago, I got a certification in business analytics from the Wharton Business School at the University of Pennsylvania. And one of the things I was shocked that we studied a lot was just surveys, gathering data through surveys. And so surveys can be a very effective way of gathering data about employees. Well, that survey example you gave is pretty interesting. That sounds like a, a bad date where somebody's trying to keep the, keep the conversation running like cats or dogs. But anyway, uh, that's very helpful. Um, uh, other than the EEOC, which you mentioned, Dave, are there any other federal agencies that are looking at how employers, including manufacturers, use people analytics? Not so much how employers are doing it, but they're looking at how companies use analytics in general. So, for example, uh, there are some statutes. I think Colorado has a statute that says insurance companies are not allowed to use analytics to make certain uh, decisions based on healthcare costs and stuff like that if there's a bias within that program. Um, and so, I think what you're going to see, Mike, is you're going to see regulation on insurance industries, marketing companies, and stuff like that, that they're going to be regulated first, and then that regulation in a similar format is going to bleed over to employers. For example, of California under their Fair Housing Act, which includes their prescriptions against discrimination, are um, trying to amend those restrictions against discrimination so that not only can the employer be on the hook for using an automated business, it's called an automated, uh, an automated decision system. So if, if an employer uses an automated decision system, which is just another word for analytics or AI, and there's an inherent bias, then the employer's on the hook for dis discrimination and the company who developed the analytical tool is also on the hook. Very interesting. Um, where do you see uh, the future of people analytics going? If you I see it. Future? I think it's going to be a <laughs> it's going to be a scary future for a, a lot of people. And and again, 
it's because um, the um, because the analytics are so effective. And we, I mean, a analytics have been used from everything to predict theft before it occurs. Uh, a company called um, uh, Palantir, started by Peter Thiel, um, was very effective in uh, predicting where IEDs were going to be placed in Iraq and Afghanistan up to 80% or more effectiveness. Those same concepts, those same algorithms, those same principles are now being applied to HR and to people analytics. And we as human beings, we are creatures of a habit. And there's a lot of things that we do per habit that we don't even realize. A analytics can be great at identifying those habits that are, you and I don't even see. And, this, and, and analytics is great at, at identifying patterns that you and I don't even see. And it's so effective, it's not going away. So I'm gonna, I think you're gonna see more gather, more data gathering, I should say, by employers. Uh, you're gonna see more use of surveys, just like you said earlier. I think you're gonna see uh, more use of uh, data from data brokers about employees. And then when employees find out this is going on, you're, you're gonna see a reaction to that. And there's gonna be uh, more laws uh, protecting employees in the use of their data. As it stands today, Dave, in 2022, are there any specific risk, you've identified some risk, are there any specific risk that jump out for employers using yeah. people analytics? Yeah, I, th I think the biggest risk in the future is going to be disparate impact class actions. I mean, over the past few years, a lot of your class action of the litigation has been based upon the Fair Labor Standards Act. And manufacturers have been hit harder than anybody else on those types of cases. But what we haven't seen a lot of over the past few years has been pure disparate impact litigation. As you know, a disparate impact is a facially neutral policy that has a disparate impact on a protected category. Uh, that's opposed from disparate treatment, which is more based upon alleged individual discrimination. So these tools that we're talking about with people analytics fit the disparate impact paradigm perfectly because they're facially neutral policies. So we're going to um, apply this data analytics to help us pick up resumes from indeed.com or something. That's facially neutral, but that could, just depending on how the algorithm is set up, it could have an impact, a disparate impact on a protected category. Like for example, a lot of your resume companies uh, will ask employers, for example, do you want us to, you know, is it important for you to avoid high turnover? Every employer says yes. So one of the factors that could go into a, 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 a company that goes out and uses algorithms to find resumes for you and to review resumes, one of the factors that they show based upon social science is that people that live in urban areas are more likely to switch their jobs quicker than people that live in rural areas. Well, based upon just the socioeconomic structure of our, of our country, um, if you start preferring people in rural areas over to people in urban areas, that could have a disparate impact on the people in the urban areas, which, which have a greater concentration of protected categories. 
so that you can see how, you know, just based on that one example, how a facially neutral policy that we're going to use as a resume tool could have a disparate impact on a protected category, which could lead to more disparate impact class actions. Well, a huge topic, a huge area, uh, but in closing out today, is there are, are there best practices that you could recommend now for manufacturers who are using people analytics? Yeah, I, you know, the problem with the challenge, I should say, with people analytics is that it's very math oriented. And at least lawyers, most lawyers went to law school to avoid math, or at least I did, right? So it's very easy for us to blindly rely on the algorithm, to, to blindly rely on the black box. HR departments, especially in manufacturing, especially for areas, Mike, like um, with uh, resume searching and in uh, these services that find uh, for resumes, um, make sure that you do some due diligence into how these resumes are being selected. For example, you know, if you find out that there are preferring rural areas over urban areas, well, you can tell them, I don't want that metric to, to be used. I don't want that data point to be used. So don't blindly rely on the black box, do some due diligence. Yeah. All right. Um, well, Dave, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts today. Uh, thanks for being part of Manufacturing Success. We hope everyone found today's conversation helpful and we look forward to having you join us again. And I just, since Dave brought the issue up, I will say that I prefer chocolate cake over chocolate ice cream. I prefer <laughs> dogs over cats and bourbon over scotch. So, um, <laughs> I'm not sure what that uh, and a little that explains about me, but but there you have it. But uh, thank you again, Dave, for uh, joining, and I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you, Mike. I really enjoyed it. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be, and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.